Hi, I'm Dave Westberg, and you're listening to the Billboard Insider Podcast, where I interview industry leaders about trends impacting the U.S. out-of-home advertising business. This podcast is sponsored by Adomni. Increase your revenue by listing your billboard on Adomni. Today's guest is Mike Norton, president of Norton Outdoor Advertising, an independent out-of-home company with 900 traditional and 14 digital billboard displays in Ohio. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hi, thank you. Mike, give us a short overview of Norton Outdoor Advertising. Well, Norton Outdoor was formed in 1949 by my grandfather, Jerry Norton, and my dad, Tom Norton, and my uncle, Dan Norton, have run the business for the past generation, and I represent the third generation in our company's business. I'm one of three in my generation, and I serve as president of our company. We serve the greater Cincinnati market and have tried to help our clients make money since 1949. Wow. So you're third generation, Norton active in the business. What are some tips you can share with other family-owned out-of-home companies about the best way to operate? I would say don't get too top-heavy with family members in the business. Everyone in a business needs to have a defined role matching their talents, and they need to be accountable. Especially in a small company like ours, there's no room to just hire somebody just because their name happens to be Norton or whatever the family business may be. And frankly, family members need to hold themselves to a higher standard than non-family employees. And secondly, I guess I would say that you have to mentally compartmentalize business and family. It's really tempting and really easy to talk about business nonstop 24-7, but it's good to have a little separation and a little space. Mm-hmm. It seems like some family businesses, I see two approaches. Some family businesses, they sort of encourage people to grow up from the inside out, where I'm aware of some family out-of-home companies where basically as a kid, you grow up assisting, helping, you know, helping with if it's bringing vinyls out to a site to change stuff. Other companies say, you know, rather than just growing up in the business, go out, work somewhere else, get a valuable set of skills, maybe learning someone else's rules, and then come back into our company, the family-owned business. Do you, do you have an opinion as to whether one way is better than another? I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to that question, Dave. I think both ways can and do work. I've seen it work both ways. In my particular instance, with the exception of a short stint as a pizza delivery guy for a local pizzeria, I came up in the business starting literally from the ground up, sweeping the shop floor when I was 14 or 15, and then cutting weeds with machete the next seven summers. So I I came fully within the business literally from the ground up with the poison ivy to prove it. But I know there's other companies that are extremely successful that have done it the other way, where second or third generation members of a family go on to do completely different things, get experiences outside of the scope of the out-of-home industry and bring those experiences back. And that can be valuable as well. So I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Really what it boils down to is, do you have a passion for the industry? Do you have a passion for marketing and helping our clients make money? Fortunately, in in our company, every member of our family in the family business has that passion. Otherwise, I think that's where issues can happen. You've been through and are still going through a situation with Cincinnati. They tried to slap very aggressive fees and a billboard tax And Norton and Lamar were successful in an initial court case, and I think it's on appeal right now. But what can out-of-home companies learn from the experience you've been through with the Cincinnati billboard tax? Well, I can't get into too many specifics about it because, as you mentioned, the case is currently in the Court of Appeals. I would like to start by saying you would like to think that doing a good job politically at a grassroots level would lead to some level of success. But in this case, 
I don't know that that would have prevented the billboard tax from coming up. It was a budgetary thing, and we appeared to be an easy mark. I would advise anybody who has something like this come up. If it does come up, reach immediately out to a good law firm. If, if you need one, get in touch with me. They've done a great job for us. And reach out to the OAAA. They have a load of expertise and a load of knowledge at their fingertips. As it relates to our particular case, I would hope that we will be successful at any future levels of court. And I'm hopeful that that leads to the message being sent that governmental entities cannot just tax one form of expression, whether it be out of home or another, at the expense of that company. It's, it's not constitutional. It's not right. It's not legal. And hopefully that message will get through. I think the other thing is there's this some sometimes politicians like to say, well, it's just billboards. It's not speech. And I think billboards provide a incredibly valuable form of public speech. People able to communicate points of view people able to enter a public dialogue. And so we need to keep in mind, this is also a form of speech. And to single out just one form of speech for a very punitive tax is not a good thing. I couldn't have said it any better myself. And I'm hopeful, and I believe that Lamar and Norton and our legal teams, as well with the help of the OAAA, made that case in court very clearly that we do provide varied levels of speech, commercial and non-commercial, political and non-political. Yes. Mike, Lamar has been calling for a standardization of digital billboard technology and flips. Sean Riley said on our last podcast that having a bunch of different sizes, aspect ratios, or slots confuses customers. What's Norton's take on that? Well, I think Sean's accurate. Anything that we can do as an industry to make our medium easier to plan and buy is in the best interest of our medium. And when you look to especially digital, which has the lion's share of all media spend now, it exceeds that of all other traditional media combined, they have set parameters, set ratios for the digital ads that get provided, whether it be on display or Facebook or otherwise. So it's understood going in what needs to be sized for. The blessing and the curse of the out-of-home space is that there are completely varied height-width proportions based maybe on the actual wall on which a display might be located. I think paring down the numbers of aspect ratios is probably in our best interest. And then in terms of the spot length or numbers of spots that are run in a given environment or given context, I think there's merit to that discussion to make sure that, again, we're easy to plan and buy and we can be looked at along the same lines of other media, especially digital. Do you have a an opinion as to whether we should be using six slots uh, versus eight slots. Some people want eight slots a minute on digital signs. Some people say, like Sean Riley, well, less is more. Maybe we ought to try and standardize around six slots. Well, we presently run six slots on our digital billboards, but I would abide by whatever was agreed really from the client side. What do they need? And we can work from that context. It's certainly easy to stay with six, but whatever makes us easier and better for the end user is what I'm here to do. Mm -hmm. Let's take a break here for a word from our sponsor. Join the fastest growing out-of-home network alongside over 70,000 digital screens. Adomni easily connects with Watchfire, Formetco, or Dactronics billboards and enables advertisers and agencies to quickly find and buy your unsold billboard space. With Audience IQ technology, advertisers can target consumer profiles such as demographics, behavior, and interests that travel past your billboards. Visit Adomni.com or email sales at Adomni.com to learn more. Mention this billboard in 
Insider podcast to receive one free year of Adomni's white-labeled booking engine on your website. Mike, how is an independent out-of-home company like Norton pursuing programmatic? And what are some learnings? Well, we've been working, I've personally been working for the past year or two, vet different opportunities, different marketplaces, if you will, to put our digital billboard space on programmatic. Actually, it's it's really more of an automated buying marketplace or platform. And what I've learned so far is that there doesn't seem to be one right answer yet, and that most opportunities are more accurately defined as automated, but not really programmatic. And one of the distinctions that I would make to create that distinction would be using audience delivery currency, such as geopath data to facilitate real-time automated buys. As it stands now, many don't utilize those types of metrics. So ads are really bought and sold merely as, as spots on a given display. As I serve on the AAA's Innovations Committee, I'm somewhat embarrassed to admit that we aren't further along as a company, but we are still actively researching to find the platforms and marketplaces that put us in the best position. It's clear that marketers want the ability to buy out of home programmatically as it's consistent with how they buy other media, and in particular digital. The sooner we as an industry, and and specifically we as Norton Outdoor, provide an agreed-upon basis for programmatic, the better it will be for all of us. So we are actively pursuing that. (laughs) And am I right that probably it will be a world where an out-of-home company won't just pick one automated provider, that there will probably be multiple, just as there's, you know, there seem to be a bunch out there. And, you know, Lamar's got four partners. I think Clear Channel, I heard they're working with up to 14. Is it a world where you will have embedded in your software a little switch where you'll turn on and off the different providers? Do you see that kind of world? Yes, I do. That's exactly what I would envision. And you really need to follow the line that digital online has taken. I would anticipate that we would follow a very similar path and try to get on a similar path so we provide a similar buying experience because that's what marketers have become accustomed to and, in fact, demand. They want to be able to provide for themselves or the end user, the end marketer, the ability to buy on these exchanges. So I do anticipate being able to basically plug in pipelines from different exchanges to get out to the most possible buyers that we can. Mm -hmm. You've mentioned the OAAA Innovations Committee. What are some pending innovations, two or three pending innovations, which you think will have a significant impact on out-of-home? Well, number one would be programmatic. That seems to be the biggest one in the immediate near future, and we discussed that. Next, and along those lines, would be audience delivery currency. I know Geopath is very close to releasing an updated audience delivery currency for our medium, which will include data from mobile devices, which is exciting. I'm interested to see where this goes, and I'm also interested to see if we can get from predictive data, which is essentially what we've always had in the out-of-home space. This is how many people probably or are likely to see the displays to can we get to kind of a real-time audience metric, which would put us on better or really a better footing with online. And then the last thing, I think as an industry, we need to be aware of advances in autonomous vehicle technology, as that could very well be the most disruptive innovation that our industry has ever faced. When you say disruptive, how do you mean? Well, if you follow the line of autonomous vehicles, and depending on who writes a particular column about it or a piece about it, it's imminent in the next 20 years or it's further down the line or maybe won't happen at all. But if it does happen the way some have written, you need look no further than see the kids in the back seat of a car and what they are doing. It's mostly a heads-down environment. They're looking at their phones or their tablets or whatever other devices they have at their disposal. So if we get to a situation where nobody in the car really needs to pay attention to driving, 
we as an industry need to pivot and adjust to those realities, which could mean lesser views of billboards. So how do we make use of our space in a better way? Mm-hmm. Do you see a role for the billboards, for instance, antennas on a billboard communicating with the car? Nothing's out of the realm of possibility, and I'm not smart yeah. enough to know what the answers will be. Right. I know that I am here to pursue those, or at least help the industry pursue those. But it's very difficult, especially for a billboard guide, to predict what's next down the road or a few paces down the road on digital. Yep. What I do know is that we can't just keep doing what we're doing ad infinitum and hope that we will eternally be successful. We will always have to evolve and pivot, as we have, but it only accelerates in the world of digital. Mm-hmm. Are there challenges? Norton is a large independent out-of-home company. It's not public. It's private. Are there any challenges accessing capital as an independent out-of-home company? Well, we've not run into that here at Norton Outdoor, but we have not been in a situation where we've really needed a great degree of capital. We've had to borrow money to buy some digital billboards, you know, one, two, three, four at a time. But we have not been in a situation where we have acquired another company at this point in our company's history. So we've not run into a problem or a challenge accessing capital. I do believe that there are companies out there, organizations out there that specialize in capital acquisition or or giving companies like ours capital. And I believe there are ways to research that. But we have not run into that. It seems like we've had 10 years of a good economy My impression of the lending environment is the lending environment is pretty good. And a lot of the larger out-of-home companies, if they've been in the community, been entrenched, they have good banking relationships, and they can, particularly if they're not doing large acquisitions, they can self-finance. Well, a lot of times we can, and often we can self-finance, but there are times when an opportunity may arise that requires getting capital from an outside source. And I would hope that the access of capital wouldn't hamstring an opportunity to help a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Mike, I'd like to get your view on some technologies and how they impact out of home. Let's start with high efficiency lights. How have the introduction of high efficiency lights, how has that affected Norton? We have, over the past several years, changed out our lighting to much more efficient lighting systems. And it's taken our bills for our electricity for our displays, which is a very large portion of of our expenses, taken those costs down drastically. So if you haven't done so already, I would certainly look into that really quickly. Mm -hmm. And while we're talking about it, have you looked at all at solar or is it just not feasible in your part of the country? I looked at solar about 10 years ago. I think it was about 10 years ago now that Lamar started putting some solar down in the south on some of their displays. I looked at it at that point. The technology wasn't there, especially for the Midwest. And it's funny you mention it. I was talking to somebody over the weekend who actually owns a farm, but I was talking to him about the solar panels that he had on top of his farm, and I'm getting information from him. My sense is that in this portion of our country, with the amount of space that I would have on an individual site, or billboard, we might not be there yet, but it is something that I want to look toward as an energy source. Yes, it's a bit of a challenge. I know, you know, where I'm from in the Northwest, it's a bit of a challenge. Once a battery runs down, you need three days of sun to get the battery back up. <laughs> yeah, and in the winter in, in Ohio, you might not get three days of sun, period. So right, right, right. now it's, it's sunny and warm in Cincinnati, but yeah. You know, we, we don't get the 300 days of sunshine that some areas yeah. of the country get. But as the technology becomes more efficient, those requirements to yes. basically ramp back up, shrink, and yes. that's where those opportunities may present themselves for people in our industry, even in the Northwest or the Midwest. What about SmartLink? Are you using the SmartLink system to control your lights? 
Well, I'm getting out of my bailiwick here. My yeah. my uncle Dan handles all this, but yes, yeah. I do believe we're using SmartLink, and I know he's worked very hard to utilize that technology. And again, things like SmartLink, where you make sure that the lights go on and off at a certain point. Yes. Everything adds up to being more efficient as a company and saving money, so you can use that money hopefully to invest. And you can get notified when a light's out. You don't have a customer Correct. call. You get notified. Drones. I'm seeing more and more out-of-home companies use drones for proof of performance or to evaluate where a sign should be. What's your take of drones? Well, we have not utilized drones for anything, mm -hmm. although I love the idea. Again, anything that we can do to be more efficient, providing immediate proof to our customer base that we're doing what we say we do, makes us more competitive, makes us better as a medium, makes us easier to use, easier to buy, provide more ROI, real and imagined on behalf of the customer. So use of technology like that, I just love when people think outside the box and say, well, let's use this for POP or let's use this for photo sheets or whatever the case may be. Absolutely love when people mm. kind of think outside the box and do that. Finally, management software. There seems to, in the last 10 years, been a real step up in the quality of the software systems that you can use to run about a home business. Can you talk a little about that and maybe how Norton uses software in its business? We've used the same, essentially the same software program for our scheduling and our real estate and our billing. We happen to use Quattro mm -hmm. through Key Systems, and it's a great Britain company that does it. We've used that for almost 20 years now. We have recently gone to a new proposal software system, actually through Do Media, to streamline our proposal process and to make sure that we have proposals that have the same look, feel, and data, regardless of the account executive who happens to be sending the proposal or preparing the proposal. And I've been really happy with that. I think it's consistent with what people expect. It provides the type of data, the type of look and feel, the type of mapping that more and more people just come to expect, or at least they deserve. So I'm happy with, with what we have, and I know there are a number of excellent companies out there that provide similar solutions through different platforms. Mm -hmm. Terrific. That's all for this week. Thanks for appearing on the show, Mike. Thank you. This podcast was sponsored by Adomni. Increase your revenue by listing your billboard on Adomni. You can listen to episodes of the Billboard Insider podcast by visiting billboardinsider.com or by subscribing to the Billboard Insider podcast on iTunes or any of the usual podcast outlets. Our email is billboardinsider at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in a couple weeks.